Well, here we are again in the land of make-believe. The Hollywood version of Gallatry, where I am played by Johnny Depp and Max is portrayed by anyone else. The remake will have its shortcomings, but moviegoers will go and buy the original and marvel at the beauty of the shoot. We will love it again. In celluloid we transgress, we transmute, we fade in and trance. Today's question, who would play you in the movie of your life? Nicolas Cage or Bananas? How apt. into the attic. The floorboards creak as the small feet in socks pad across the floor, kicking up the dust. The sunlight tracks through the dust bands from the skylight, and the game has begun. Shh! Be quiet, or they'll hear us. It's whispered from one conspirator to another, as eager hands turn over the small table so that its secrets are opened up to the world. On the base of the circular table is a grid, marked out with four quarters, with yes, no, and no, and yes. The pencil case is spilled open in haste, and two pencils are selected at random from the multicoloured collection. The pencils are laid onto the table in the centre of the grid, one pencil sitting on the other at right angles. The two girls sit across from each other, and the game begins. Our two girls look at each other in the eyes and ceremoniously nod to each other. They are now agreed, committed, and in the hands of fate. Black Anis, Black Anis, we dare you to come out to play. Come in, come in, we still got our skin. You first. Does Johnny fancy me? Our two eager eyes focus on the pencils, expecting Black Anis to answer the question posed. The upper pencil starts to quiver. There is a noticeable twitch as a cloud scuds across the sky and the room becomes dark. It's strange how far away daylight can be, how far away downstairs can be, how far away normality can be at a turn of a pencil. The pencil quivers again and then starts to spin and both girls are now agog frozen in shock, transfixed by the magic that they have created. As the pencil rotors around, it becomes a blur, and our young eyes fail to notice the shadow creeping across the ceiling behind them. Even without light, this shadow exists in the attic room now. It purposely moves down the ceiling and across the floorboards, forming the shape of a large claw. This claw is now right behind our two innocents and consumes them. Our fledglings are lost to this Anis shadow. The question is answered. Yes, Black Anis has come in. As the pencil stops spinning, all we now see is an overturned table and dusty footprints on the floorboards in this attic. And indeed, this is what Mrs Smith says when she wonders where the girls have gone. Wonders why they've been so quiet for such a long time. Wonders what they're up to up there in the attic. 
And indeed, this is what she must later tell the police, tearfully, as the inspector asks what the markings on the table mean. Indeed, it is what she continues to say, even down at the station. Black Alice game, he asks. He then writes something in his notebook with a seemingly judgmental scribble, as if saying, Where did you bury the bodies? Mrs Smith still protests that they were just playing a game as the charge sheet is completed. They don't believe her. They should know that Black Alice does exist here in Gallatry, has always existed here, and will come in if you dare her to. Thank you, Eustace. Welcome back, dearest, dearest listeners. Welcome back, honey bun. And now the weather. It's stopped raining. It's hot. Or is it? How can you be sure? I'm a figment of my own imagination, and as you are listening to me now, then I'm a figment of yours too. Am I real or imaginary? Myth or truth? What about a dare game that brings a pre-medieval bogeyman crashing back into the 21st century? Myth or truth? The meek will inherit the earth. Myth or truth? Western democracies are just. Myth or truth? Galleluia, it's raining men. Truth. Truth, I hear you cry, incredulously. It's raining men is truth. Well, more specifically, it's raining immigrant stowaways from the undercarriages of aircraft coming in to land at the airport as we're in the flight path. Bodies raining out of the sky, crashing onto our heads. Truth. There's a mangled body embedded in the aircon unit on the station roof. Truth. The aircon is now broken. Truth. It's hot. Truth. And that's the end of the weather. Now, let's go over to see what wisdom we can glean from the ever-faithful prostrate gland board, that is, the not-very-cogent opinion wall. I wonder if, with some gentle messaging from our listeners, whether it would spurt forth some secret wisdoms. Right, first up, this is from our resident film expert, Mr Spartacus, via email. We've all heard of the famous films such as The Crow and Plan 9 from Outer Space, where the leading actor dies during the making of the film. And then there's another story that has only recently come to light and has rocked the film buff fraternity with much chatter and speculation. It has been rumoured that Nicolas Cage apparently died just after the release of Raising Arizona in 1987, but was replaced by a chimpanzee named Mr. Binky. Mr. Binky had all kinds of complex plastic surgery so that to the untrained eye, he became Cage. Mr. Binky was a method primate and spent a lot of time in Britain with the cast of Hollyoaks in order to become an actor of their stature such as Cage. He struggled at first with his unconvincing mouth movements, but soon learned a trick that they used in the old PG Tips adverts, whereby they smear the chimps upper palate with peanut butter to get them to appear to talk. This technique is, incidentally, still used even today in the filming of Hollyoaks. So convincing did Mr. Binky become that he even fooled Cage's uncle, Francis Ford Coppola, into thinking that his nephew could act. Hmm. Hang on, here's another. If you've received any correspondence from someone purporting to be a film buff called Spartacus, he is a Nicholas Cage rumour monger. I'm the real Spartacus, and you are about to witness the strength of three-piece sweet knowledge. 
Mr. Binky almost came out of the cage closet after he met up with John Travolta during the filming of the 1997 film Face Off. During this time offset, Mr. Binky discovered that Travolta had also apparently died after the making of Pulp Fiction in 94 and was replaced by a chimpanzee called Tony. So convincing was the plastic surgery that Mr. Binky only truly believed it when they threw feces at each other over an argument about an ant's nest. Anyway, after the ironic success of Face-Off, it was Tony who came out and is acting as himself now, producing and starring in the very successful Planet of the Apes franchise. He couldn't convince Mr. Binky to do the same, and so he is still plodding on his cage with such acting delights as Ghost Rider and The Rock, although Tony did suggest a couple of other remakes, such as the eagerly awaited Alan Wicker Life Story, The Alan Wicker Man, and Conair 2, or Ryan Lair's Daughter, as a working title. Hmm. Crime News! We now go over to Chief Anderson, who has an important crime update in relation to a worrying recent spate of child murders in this town. Chief Anderson walks briskly out from the police HQ, although some wag has renamed it Arts in spray paint, so I guess it could be called the police hindquarters now. One, two, one, two. Is this thing on? Damn. Right, I wanted to talk to you about some recent events that we need to be ever vigilant about. We've had several unrelated incidents of parents murdering their children and in some cases their children's friends as well. We've consulted with Mr Slenderman from the Gallatry Special School and he has informed us that this time of year many children simply die unexpectedly. However, we have noticed another trend. We've been told a common story that explains the children's deaths. Every parent held in custody so far have all cited some kind of child game called the Black Anise Dare as the reason for their child's disappearance. We have become concerned about this game and urge you kids not to meddle with the unknown as seemingly playing the game infuriates your parents so much that they will kill you and hide your body in an undetectable place so that you'll never get a proper burial or give your organs for a worthy cause. It's so sad that many of you will never actually fulfil your true potential. This is a message to you kids. Just say no. Don't play Black Anis Dare. Chief! Chief! How can you be sure that the parents have actually killed their kids? Have you any evidence? I don't know, such as a body, or blood, or a murder weapon? Not yet, but we are sweating the parents to get a confession. It's only a matter of time. Do you really expect us to believe a cock and bull story about a mythical bogey woman, a black witch with metal claws that eats children and wears their skins and skirts? This isn't the X-Files, you know. It's certainly not CSI either. Well, I don't see that no motive, no body and no murder weapon should indicate that the parents haven't killed their own kids. God, I've thought about it myself many times. Using bloody phones at the dinner table, eh? Anywho, why should a myth be any more of a suspect than them, eh? Can anyone bring me Black Alice in for questioning? Then we might have a lead. Until then, just shut up and let us get back to our job. With that, the chief turns on his heel and walks back into the police arse quarters, or Hawaii Farto, as it's commonly known now. 
Hello, caller, this is Garretry Switch. What's that you say? The New York Times? You want to verify a story regarding what? A black mythical witch? Okay, I'll connect you to the council pest control. Thank you. Hello, caller, this is Garretry Switch. How may I help you? You're calling from where? It's a bit crackly, caller. Namibia, you say? Oh, you don't say. What's the weather like down there? How can I direct your call? Your kids have gone missing, you say? Some kind of game, you say? Okay, I'll connect you to Canastra's Birdtown Toy Shop. They should be able to help you with ghostly games. Hello, caller. This is Gallatry Switch. Interpol, you say? Blimey, are you looking for Seth Blatter? No. Disappearing children, you say? Perhaps Mr Slenderman can help. He's somewhat of a local expert. Thank you. Hello, caller. Gallatry Switchboard. How may I direct your call? The National Enquirer, you say? You want to get an interview with Black Who? Anis, you say? Possibly even a photo shoot. Topless, you say? I don't think we should continue this call. Goodbye. Blimey, what's going on with this Black Anis game? The world and his dog seem to be calling in. I'd better call Chief Anderson. Oh, it sounds like the chief is busy. Perhaps I should try the scientific department at the council. That's strange. Donna Penny always used to be on call. I know. I'll use the Batmax phone. Hello, Donna. We've got a witch problem. Some Ginzano? Yes, okay. Research, you say? The library, you say? Okay, bye. Thank you, Eustace. Donna P and I just had the bat call and now we need to find out what this black anise stuff is all about. Watch out for the continuity bucket. Damn, why do you keep that bucket there, amigo? Right, I'm going down to the library. We need to get to the bottom of this black anise epidemic. Mr Fabian, the librarian, is an old friend. If anybody in this town knows where to look for this stuff, it's him. Donna P walks into the library and joins the queue at the counter. Excuse me, where can I find War and Peace? What's that? You want a piss? The gents is over there on the right! Next! Have you got Moby Dick? No! It's just the way I walk! I'm not sure what business this is of yours anyway! Now do you want a bock or not? No, where, where would I find Moby Dick? Why don't you try the bunker up near Jericho Farm if you're looking for that kind of thing? Really, I don't know what this place is coming to. Have you got, uh, on the road? Toblerone? Try the newsagents! No, buy Kerouac. Kerouac? I told you, try the newsagents. This is a library, not a tap stop. Hello, Mr Fabian. How are you, amigo? Hello, Donna. There's no need to shout. I'm not mutton, you know. What can I do for you? Donna passes a slip of paper across the counter and Mr Fabian picks it up. Ah, Black Alice. Why not start in local mythology on R107 and then try newspaper archive during the 1880s? I think that was the last time there was an outbreak. Thanks, Mr Fabian. And Donna walks off into the shelves. Have you got Don Quixote? Have I done karaoke? Yes, but I'm more of a dancer, truth be known. Next! 
Donna selects a large volume entitled The Myths and Legends of Gallatry and begins to read. Black Anise is a bogeyman figure in English folklore. She is imagined as a blue-faced crone or witch with iron claws and a taste for humans, especially children. She is said to haunt the countryside of Gallatry, living in a cave in the Dane Hills with an oak tree at its entrance. She supposedly goes out into the glens at night looking for unsuspecting children and lambs to eat, then tanning their skins by hanging them on a tree before wearing them around her waist. She would reach inside houses to snatch people. Legend had it that she used her iron claws to dig into the side of a sandstone cliff, making herself a home there, which is known as Black Anise's Bower. The legend led parents warning their children that Black Anise would catch them if they didn't behave. So where is he now, I wonder? Hmm. And what is this dare game all about? Hmm. I'll try the newspapers next from the microfilm archive. Ah, here we are. The Gallatry Gazette, 1885. Hmm, nothing. Let's try 1886. Ah, here we are. June the 23rd, 1887. Black Anise strikes again. Another child missing. Police baffled. The recent mysterious disappearances of local children have reached an epidemic here in Gallatry, with a ninth child reported missing last night. Little Timmy Tucker from Clagville on the Stench has not been seen since yesterday since he left school. His father, Tommy Tucker, said that he was devastated at the loss of little Timmy, but as he has 11 other children, it wasn't a disaster. Chief Inspector Anderson of the Gallatry Specials was reported saying that investigations were underway, but they had not had any providential lines of investigation. He also poo-pooed the rumours that Black Anis is the culprit, saying that this type of sensationalist and vexatious rumour-mongering is unhelpful to the due process of police work. There is a palpable sense of fear here in Gallatry, and public opinion is moving against the Chief Inspector and his provincial constables as they are making no tangible progress. This paper asks whether he is capable of catching the perpetrator of these ghastly crimes and he is running out of time before specialist investigators may be called in from London. Hmm. Interesting. Specialist investigators. Perhaps I should refer to the casebook of Stretch and Munchin. Now, where is it? Oh, oh here we are. Hunt for Black Alice in the year of our Lord, 1887 of June the 18th day. A hunter's moon looks down on the cobbled streets, through the gas lamps and into the brass sign outside the station hotel in Gallatry. The sign reads, Stretch and Munchin, professional gentlemen investigators. We go where others are to. Mr. Stretch and I were sitting in the office come sitting room, smoking and drinking bourbon. A cornucopia of strange curios, artifacts and scientific equipment cover every surface within the cluttered room. Shrunken heads, blowpipes, boiling tubes, jars of universal unction and Van de Graaff generators. A visitor. At this hour, it must be important. Mrs. Biddle, get the door. If you please, sir, Chief Inspector Anderson is here to see you. Don't leave the troubled inspector in the hall. Show him in, Mrs. Biddle, show him in. Good evening, gentlemen. 
I seek your help on a very delicate matter. I trust that I can rely on your most utmost discretion. Of course, of course, Inspector. Please take a seat. Would you like a drink? Thank you, no, Mr. Munchin. I'm still on duty. Let me cut to the chase. After your invaluable assistance in the case of the cannibal Toby Jugs and the subsequent avoidance of publicity, I thought that I should commission your help once more, gentlemen. This terrible business with Black Anish, I'll wager, Chief Inspector. Indeed the same, Mr. Stretch. We're not making much progress, and the rumours of this accursed beast being involved are starting to put a lot of pressure on me and my men. If we don't come up with something soon, they'll <laughs> get some privateers up from London. This would look very bad on me and the police department. I want you to find out if there's any truth in this black anise creature myth and see if we can nip it in the bud, locally, quietly, discreetly. What do you say, Mr Munchin? Hmm, where did the Tucker boy go missing? Clackville on the stench, out in the county. Six out of the nine from the same area. Sergeant Chassis is my man on the ground if you need any assistance locally. Mr Stretch will go out to Clackville. I'll do some investigations here in Gallery. We'll meet here again tomorrow night. God willing, by then we shall have made some progress. I will return as expeditiously as I am able. And with that, all three gentlemen leave the station hotel and go about their night business under the hunter's moon here in Gallery. Well, Mr. Stretch, welcome back. How was last night in Clagville on the Stench? Not a profitable one, I'll wager. Tell me all about it. By Agile Munchin, how did you guess? When I arrived in Clagville, I met with the Sergeant Shash at the local hostelry, the Cock and Goal Hotel. Clagville is a dreadful place of little hovels where all kind of farm labourers and gay country folk dwell. Shas seemed to be an able fellow, and we went out into the night immediately as he had planned some kind of hunt for the geese. They had discovered some footprints, and so we went to investigate these at first hand. The prints were large, about yellow, with claws and a wide stride. The creature would be about seven feet tall by our own conjecture. We found they led to a cave with an oak tree at the entrance, but upon investigation it was empty. There was a view that the creature would walk abroad at night to feed and would return to the cave during the early hours. Pray continue. Shasta constructed a large trap along the footprint trail towards the cave. The plan was to wait for its return and then lure the geese into our snare. It was a large wooden structure, like a tunnel, with sliding doors at each entrance. A man would run through the tunnel, and when the geese entered, concealed officers would drop the doors. This trap didn't hold her, I take it. Great Scott, Monchen. How did you know? The dogs picked up the scent, and we spent most of the night chasing shadows around the village, out in the surrounding hills. We finally were close on our quarry, and the trap was sprung with the geese inside. It was so dark we couldn't see much of what we had actually caught. But we heard it for sure. Terrible ganshee screams and a large crashing and splintering sound. When we brought the torches to Gare, we could see the geese had smashed its way out. There was splintered wood all around. It must have been very powerful considering the size of those timbers. I've been doing some investigations of my own. No man-made contrivance. No cage will act as a prison for this creature. It is a demon. We will need to build a spirit trap. 
Our strength comes through wit, not timbers. This is what I had in mind. Munchin pulled out a wicker hamper and opened it up. Inside was a package. He pulled it out and unwrapped the brown paper. It was an Ouija board. He laid it on the table and began to make an adjustment with a hacksaw. He then dimmed the lights and sat at the table and offered Stretch a seat opposite. The hamper lay opened at his side. Shall we begin? When I say now, I want you to strike the board. But exactly at this point I have marked with the hacksaw. Understood? I understood. Black Annis, Black Annis, we dare you to come out to play. Come in, come in. We still got our skin. The pointer, the planchette, quivered under Munchin's fingers and he looked up at Stretch. Ready? Black Annis, what do you call a man with a plank on his head? The planchette began to quiver and marked out the word. Black Annas, what do you call a man with two planks on his head? The planchette traced out the word Edward Wood. Black Annas, what do you call a man with three planks on his head? The planchette traced out the word Edward Wood. Now straight. Stretch struck the board at the place indicated by Munchin. A piece of the board snapped off and flew off onto the floor. Malaganis, I repeat, what do you call a man with three planks on his head? The planchette quivered and then began to race across the board again and again repetitively. Stretch picked up the piece of the board that was on the floor as he watched the planchette whirl around the board like a dervish stuck in a loop. The piece of board in his hand simply had the letter D on it. You are, we have tricks. Nay, banjacks this demon, Mr. Stretch. And then he gently picked up the board with the crazed marker still whizzing around on it and placed it into the wicker basket. He then fastened the basket with the leather ties. This wicker cage is enough for this beast. Just as long as this is not disturbed. We shall be hearing no more from Black Ennis. Shall we pay a visit to Chief Anderson? But firstly, I'm parched. Shall we have a drink? The two gentlemen charged their glasses in a toast. Cheers! We go where others fart you. Thank you, Eustace. Welcome back, dearest, dearest listeners. Well, everyone has been going black anise game crazy around here. We've been receiving calls from all over the world here in Gallatry. Seemingly, we've started a viral craze and no one knows how or why, when or whatever. I'm waiting on Donna P to get back so we can provide some answers for you curious, curious listeners out there. Damn that bucket. Hey, amigo, I spent all afternoon reading at the library and I think I know what we need to do to stop this black anise craze. The game is actually the solution, not the problem. Have we got two pencils and a piece of card? And get the DVD player out whilst I make a phone call. Come on, pick up. Hello, Gallatry Switchboard. How may I direct your call? It's me, it's Donna. I need to speak to Mr Spartacus, amigo. Putting you through right now, caller. 
Well, dearest, dearest listeners, Donna and I have played the Black Anise Dare game in front of the television whilst watching the remake of The Wicker Man on DVD with Nicolas Cage that we borrowed from Mr Spartacus. We marked out the board on card with the letter D four times rather than the yes-no combinations. When we asked Black Anis, what do you call a man with three planks on his head, it filled in the Ewa-Woo-Wah gaps and got back to Edward Woodward. Then we froze the film on the last scene. Black Anis went into the film, into the wicker man looking for Edward Woodward, but couldn't find him and never will, as there is only a chimpanzee in there that looks like Nicolas Cage. Another wicker cage for Black Anis. Black Anis, myth or truth? The Wicker Man remake, better than the original, myth or truth? Is Nicolas Cage really a monkey, myth or truth? Well, you may be able to be the judge of that. After we trapped Black Anis in the DVD, we placed it carefully back into its case and put it into the vinyl vault for safekeeping. Unfortunately, during a subsequent clear-out, this DVD, amongst some of other of Eustace's junk, was sold on eBay accidentally. If you get hold of a copy of The Wicker Man with Nicolas Cage and open up the case to find a piece of card with four Ds on it, you can dare Black Anis to come forth whilst watching the final scene, although I'd leave it for another 130 years if I were you. In fact, I would leave watching the film for 130 years anyway. Under the centenary bridge, the voices rise in unison, louder and louder. You have been listening to Gallatry, a community-funded local radio station. I'm Adam Aardvark. Max couldn't be around at the end of the show. He often needs to lie down in a darkened room and sort of, well, convalesce. If you enjoyed today's show and want to know more or simply express a simple and not very cogent opinion, then email us at welcometogallatry at gmail.com. You can tell us what you think, although we might already know what you think. Or failing that, if you genuinely have no idea, we can helpfully provide some new ideas that you can call your very own. Ideas that you can share with your friends and family and become a much more interesting and likeable person, if only to yourself. This has been a Gallatry Entertainment broadcast recorded in a haunted pub in Gallatry. No, honestly, voices appeared on the recordings that we later had to edit out. I think we got them all, but who's to know for sure? Anyway, Gallatry is performed by Max Black, written and recorded by Max Black and Adam Ardberg. Is copyright Gallatry Productions 2015. Thanks for listening. But remember, on your next journey home, Gallatry may be just around the corner. Okie dokie, time to watch a movie. Gotta pick one I haven't seen before. What do I want to watch? That a million times. Great movie. The Wicker Man, starring Nicolas Cage. It's a 
creepy looking girl with white eyes. Clearly she will be featured in the film at some point, I'm sure of that. Well, Nicolas Cage is in it, so it's 100% guaranteed to be good.